6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Rosh Chodesh morning, Erev Shabbos Chanukah. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Gitano bisimcho, Igagalu Oh, 
zum Mitzwoin in der Woche
tell you about the world we're in. Come listen, my dear children. Or you can ask the question, it ain't no sin. Just how did the world begin? Who made the darkness and the light? A million stars to shine at night. Got them all to work just right. It had to be Hashem. Had to be Hashem. Made the oceans and the fish. Candy bars and licorice. And all he did was make a wish. It had to be Hashem.
Shim, the Al Hapurkot, the Al Hagurros, the Al Hachurros, the Al Hamilhamoshayos, the Salavosayu, Biomimahembosman Hase. Al Hadishim, the Al Hapurkot, the Al Hagurros, the Al Hachurros, the Al Hamilhamoshayos, the Salavosayu, Biomimahembosman Hase. My brother has a dreidel, he made it out of gold. He left it in the freezer and it got very cold. song is over. I hope you had some fun. Chag Hanukkah Sameach. Happy Hanukkah, everyone. Good Shabbos, good Shabbos. Good Shabbos, good Shabbos. Good Shabbos, good Shabbos, good Shabbos, good Shabbos. Oh, good Shabbos, good Shabbos, good Shabbos.
Our past and our future. 
in the AM. Friday morning on this December 30th, the final weekday of 2016. Day one in the month of Teves. Today is Rosh Chodesh, everybody. Today is Rosh Chodesh. All the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh. Actually, a full Hallel as compared to a regular Rosh Chodesh, because today is Hanukkah, don't forget. Day six in the holiday of Hanukkah, our six candles, quote-unquote, are burning brightly here at the Nahum Single Network Studios. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Mikates, on this Erev Shabbos Hanukkah with candle lighting at 417. Rabbi Yudin addresses us a couple hours from now uh, regarding uh, Parshas Mikates and the upcoming Shabbos Hanukkah. 36 degrees outside with 70% humidity. Winds are west at 12 miles an hour. Mostly sunny with a high of 43. Then tonight, partly cloudy, low 31. Nice-looking Shabbos with partly cloudy weather and a high of 42 degrees. 52 in Yerushalayim. We're at 36 here in, uh, I was about to say Jersey City. 36 here in New York City. As we say good morning at uh, JM in the AM. Mazel tov to Avi Landsman. Avi Landsman's bar mitzvah is this Shabbos. We look forward to celebrating with Naomi and Rabbi Mark Landsman and the extended Landsman and Kupchik and um, Yudin and Rothman. I'm trying to think of all the different names. A lot of great people involved in that family, I can tell you that much. And we look forward to celebrating with everybody this Shabbat in Teaneck, New Jersey. So, so to uh, Naomi and Rabbi Mark Landsman and to Avi, a special mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Honeline, just over an hour from now, we will do what we call the uh, weekly update and um, try to make some sense, if possible, of the news of the last week. Since we last spoke to Malcolm Honeline, a lot has happened, to say the least. And uh, we will explore all of that coming up about 7.40 Eastern time right here at JM in the AM. An amazing show last night, by the way. I don't know how many of you caught it, uh, but it looks based on what I saw that a lot of people caught it. An amazing show last night from the Teaneck Doghouse. Big Eshikach to them and to Gershon Varoba and everybody who came out for the big CD release party. It was a really, really amazing get-together with some great 2016 talk about the brand-new album, which is wonderful. And some great nostalgic talk with Gershon Varoba, who's had an amazing career so far. Uh, so it was really a lot of fun. We debuted, we world, we world uh, sneak peeked the brand new video that's going to be um, uh, released in the next few days, Ani Yisrael, uh, about 10 days away from that release. So that was cool. Everybody who was watching on our website got a sneak peek. and Everybody who was there at the Teaneck Doghouse got a sneak peek. And just a really wonderful night. So uh, big yashikov to Gershon Varoba. Uh, God Elbaz was there, a lot of other stars, a lot of other great musicians. It was really a lot of fun, and um, just a great night. Uh, many of you may have heard that um, the brilliant and incredible engineer, musician, announcer, and all-around wonderful person, Larry Gates, who has been uh, over the decades involved in so many Jewish music projects. Unfortunately, Larry passed away. Many of you are aware of the fact that uh, he had been suffering off and on from a terrible illness. And um, he had joined us at JM and the AM in May of 2012 to talk about the RCCS and how much they helped him recover at that time. That was the, uh, the, the only time we really did an extensive interview with him, and it was a tremendous amount of fun. Anyway, to the entire Gates family, we say uh, we extend our condolences. The funeral takes place later today, actually early this afternoon. And our condolences to his family. Uh, Larry Gates will be remembered quite fondly by so many of us in the world of uh, Jewish music. Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM as we continue. And I thank you for tuning in 
Uh, plenty more coming up between now and 9 o'clock. Naomi Nachman coming up at 9 with an encore presentation of Table for Two. And um, and this is the title track to the Gershon Veroba brand new album right here at JM in the AM. Yeah. 
J.M. in the A.M. on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos on this Rosh Chodesh. That was from the NCSY Bencher app with Aryeh Kunstler. I want to thank those who are commenting on the app. Good morning, Dafyomi Yid. And good morning to those who are wishing on the app a Mazel Tov to Zalman Malutik and the entire family. Debbie and Zalman Malutik, Mazel Tov in the marriage of their son Alicia to Alex Bell. An amazing wedding. Please play some eighth day. Here they are with it. Shabbos now to wrap up this hour at JM in the AM.
Eighth day with its Shabbos now. R.A. Kunstler before that with Tormi Shalom off the NCSY Bencher app. You heard David Lowy and Moe's Tour's brand new single. Likrat Shabbat done by Shlomo Katz. Gershon Vroba's Ani Yisrael wishing him a Mazel Tov again after last night's big celebration. Ari Goldwag had Take Me Home. And you heard Eitan Katz in there with Bowie Vishalom. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio exclusively around the world at NachumSiegel.com. On the Nachum Siegel Network and, of course, on our beloved NSN app. Galay Tzal, the background news from Israel coming up. It's Rosh Chodesh morning on this Arab Shabbos Hanukkah, everybody. Candle lighting 417 in this area. 417, your official candle lighting time. Mostly sunny today with a high 43. Shabbos looks like partly cloudy weather with a high of 42. 36 right now outside. Thanks for listening in from around the world. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a... Friday is next. Boker Tov from JM and the M. גלייצה על השעה שתיים, כאן נוגה קליין עם מה שקורה עכשיו. ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו מגיב על הפרסומים כי יחקר בחשד לקבלת טובות הנאה מאנשי עסקים, כתבתנו דור מימון. כל הפרשיות כביכול התבררו כעורבא פרח, וכך יהיה גם לגבי הטענות המתפרסמות בתקשורת כעת. אנו חוזרים ואומרים, לא יהיה כלום כי אין כלום. כך נמסר מטעמו של ראש הממשלה. היועץ המשפטי לממשלה צפוי להכריז בימים הקרובים רשמית על פתיחת חקירה נגד נתניהו, תגובות גם במערכת הפוליטית לידיעות על חקירתו הצפויה של נתניהו. חבר הכנסת איתן כבל מהמחנה הציוני אמר כי כעת צפויה מתקפה כנגד המשטרה על שפתחה בחקירה. אין לי ספק שבתקופה הקרובה נחשף לגל של ספינים שמטרתם היא אחת הכפשת המשטרה, בתי המשפט ומעל הכל ביבי הנרדף, ביבי המסכן, ביבי האומלל אך כנראה שהפעם שום קוסם ושום בושם לא יוכל להפיג את הריחות הקשים העולים מבלפור. מנגד אמרה שרת התרבות מירי רגב כי מדובר באובססיה נגד נתניהו. מהיכרותי את ראש הממשלה אני יודעת שהאינטרס היחיד שעומד מול עיניו הוא האינטרס הלאומי והביטחוני של מדינת ישראל. האובססיה שלהם נגד ראש הממשלה מוציאה אותה מדעתם. אני מחזקת את ראש הממשלה ובטוחה שהוא ינהיג אותנו עוד שנים רבות. המתיחות בין וושינגטון למוסקבה. גם רוסיה מתכננת לגרש 35 דיפלומטים אמריקנים משטחה. כתבתנו שירה נאות. גירוש הדיפלומטים יבוצע בתגובה להודעת נשיא ארצות הברית אובמה על גירוש 35 דיפלומטים רוסיים. המשבר בין המדינות החריף בעקבות האשמות וושינגטון לפיהן מוסקבה התערבה במרוץ לבית הלבן לטובת טראמפ. בקרמלין טרם הגיבו על הפרסום, אך מוקדם יותר הבוקר כתב ראש ממשלת רוסיה מדוודב, אובמה משלים היום את משנתו האנטי-רוסית הקשה. המשטרה פתחה בחיפושים אחר שלושה חשודים ששדדו אמש באיומי סכין זוג בביתם בכפר יאסיף בעודם לבושים בתחפושת. כתבנו קובי מנדל. הקשישים מכפר יאסיף נשדדו אמש בידי אלמונים מחופשים לסנטה קלאוס לאחר שהם הוכו במקומות שונים בגופם. השודדים נטלו כסף שהיה בבית ונמלטו. צוות חיאן טיפל בשניים שסבלו מחבלות שונות, אך הם לא נזקקו לאשפוז בבית החולים. שוטרים מתחנת הקושי הוזעקו למקום, פתחו בסריקות ובחקירה. באשקלון עורכת המשטרה סריקות אחר גבר, החשוד ששדד סניף דואר ברחוב העבודה בעיר. כתבתנו הדס שטייף מוסרת כי האיש נכנס אל הסניף כשהוא רעול פנים, קיבל לידיו סכום המוערך באלפי שקלים ונמלט מהמקום. התחזית היום יוסיף להיות קר מהרגיל בעונה, בשבת, בראשון ובשני יהיה קר במיוחד וגשם ירד בצפון הארץ ובמישור החוף. 
של אגירת בחרמון. ולסיום לקראת כניסת שנת 2017, מברך נשיא המדינה ראובן ריבלין את הנוצרים בישראל בשנה טובה. בואו נעשה את שנת 2017 שנה של כבוד הדדי, כבוד בין אנשים ובין אומות. אני שולח לכולכם, קהילת הנוצרים בישראל ובכל העולם, ברכות חגיגיות, ומאחל שנה מאושרת ובריאה. דברי הנשיא בסרטון שפרסם. אלה החדשות שעורך עמרי רחמימוב על הביצוע הטכני אסף אזולאי.
J.M. in the A.M. Great song off the brand new Benny Friedman uh, CD. It's entitled, um, entitled Fill the World with Lights. Yeah, perfect for Hanukkah. And uh, that is um, Ashira Lashem. J.M. in the A.M. coming up in one half hour. Malcolm Honeline. We will um, get his impressions on U.N. Security Council Resolution 2334, which was adopted on December the 23rd. Yeah, it's rare that I give a preview as to what I'm going to be discussing with Malcolm Holmline, but I think today is, like, overly obvious. So tune in from around the world and get ready. It's about a half hour from now. All of our usual outlets. Rosh Chodesh morning here at uh, JM and the AM, and it, we are quickly approaching the end of the calendar year tomorrow night will, in fact, end the calendar year. And there are so many causes, rightfully so, that are deserving of support um, before the uh, the tax year, before the uh, secular year comes to a close. And we've chosen for this morning to highlight our friends at Shari Tzedek Medical Center. Many of you are aware of the fact that our good friend, Mayor Fertig, is Chief Communications Officer, uh, American Friends of Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. And he is with us live via telephone on this Friday morning Erev Shabbos Hanukkah. Mayor Fertig, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good morning, Nahum. Good morning to you. You know, it's funny. Uh, someone from your vantage point, as you do what the rest of us are doing, which is really pay careful attention to the political situation in Israel, the way Israel is being viewed now around the world, etc., etc., etc. But your work, and more broadly, the work of Shari Tzedek Medical Center, really hasn't changed much. You are still reaching out and doing whatever medically possible to help people of all types and all backgrounds who are living in the state of Israel. That's absolutely correct. It is, uh, Shari Tzedek is, is really a, uh, an, an oasis of, uh, of all sorts of people you know, together in the same place for the same purpose, which is hopefully to get better, to get well. And uh, that, that work continues day in and day out. Um, very, very busily, the, uh, the hospital was at uh, was at uh, over capacity, uh, unfortunately, yeah. over the uh, over the recent week, the past weekend, and you know, regardless of what's going on in the political situation or anything else, you know, people need people need help, people need care, and Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem is a place that they go to. You know, I started this conversation by recommending to people to include Shari Tzedek in all these year-end uh, commitments, and there are a lot of people out there who are making year-end commitments tax purposes, etc. Is there an easy way to do it? Can someone go today or tomorrow night somewhere on the web and actually fulfill that the desire? Uh, it, with a couple of clicks, actually. That's uh, it. org. American Committee for Shari Tzedek, ACSZ.org. And right at the top of the page, there's a donate button. And whatever uh, whatever somebody is inclined to do for their planning purposes or just because it's a good opportunity to support a uh, wonderful organization that's helping to build the state of Israel and helping to support the uh, people who live in the state of Israel. It's a good opportunity. Mayor Fertig with us. All right, uh, you know, everyone's putting together their best of 2016 or highlights. We're even doing it here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Um, and I know we had an unbelievable conversation with a couple of your uh, incredible representatives um, uh, back when we were doing the show in New Jersey City. Uh, about some of the new developments. If, if you look at 2016, from your vantage point, what would be the highlight, if you could focus on one, of the new developments at Shari Tzedek Medical Center? I think it's an easy it's an easy question, although there's so much going on. It's an easy answer, I should say, even though there's so much going on. The, uh, the last couple of months have seen the 
um, the startup of the Helmsley Neurological Center at Shari Tzedek, yep. which is uh, which is uh, providing. Uh, some services and some uh, aspects of care that had not been uh, previously uh, um, offered at Chariot Zedek. They'd been offered uh, elsewhere in the region, but uh, the decision was made that uh, neurological services, including a new stroke unit for the city of Jerusalem and its surrounding areas, uh, was an absolute necessity and uh, became really a top priority in the last uh, year or two, I suppose. And it's up and running. And it's, it's not... It's not just up and running, but it is breaking ground in terms of how they operate, uh, in terms of how they um, assess patients, identify patients who may be having strokes, and rush them to the hospital to be cared, uh, to be cared for, and to receive, receive treatment. And that is happening even before, obviously, with you know paramedics go to a scene mm-hmm. and assess the patient. And the, there was a new, there was an app that was developed in the hospital that puts the paramedics in touch. With the emergency room immediately, it puts the stroke team on alert, and it uh, it allows it allows doctors the the thing they want most when they're treating a stroke patient, which is the shave time off of the the process of assessing the patient and deciding if there are um, medications that can be given to them in the case of uh, case of blockages in the case of. Uh, um, strokes that involve, you know, blockages in blood vessels. There are things that they can give to a patient that can dissolve those clots. And in many cases, patients can be helped to the point where there are no deficits, no ill effects of the stroke whatsoever. Yeah, we got used and, to we got used to in this country and in our community over the last few decades. You know, the need for speed when it comes to heart problems. It's something that you know right. now, now it's second nature. And now this, the need for speed when it comes to strokes, is becoming more and more common. Uh, in terms of people understanding how critical uh, that time is. And having, in addition to everything you just said in terms of the expertise, technology, all that is great as we know, but in addition to that, having Shari Tzedek with a unit like this, it, you know, it, just geographically, proximity to so many different places in Jerusalem is a tremendous benefit. Exactly correct, uh, because, because of the location of the hospital. You know, historically, um, years ago, uh, when the hospital was moved to its present location many years ago, uh, there were people who said, why here? <laughs> and it turned out, as, as the growth of the city has happened organically and as the growth of you know, the suburbs, the communities around the city has happened organically, it turned out to be the perfect, yeah. perfect place. Then it was out of and, town. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's funny. It is funny. That's the way these cities develop, and boy, Jerusalem just keeps developing, thank God. Uh, no, exactly. Well, there you have it. Uh, Mayor Furtick with us. He's Chief Communications Officer, American Committee, Shari Tzedek Medical Center. It's a very simple recommendation, everybody. You know how dear Shari Tzedek's always been to us, and in particular, over the last couple of years. Uh, go to the web. You want to make a year-end donation. It's one of our strong recommendations here at JM in the AM. You go to ACSZ, ACSZ.org, ACSZ.org, American Committee, Shari Tzedek, ACSZ.org. And before midnight tomorrow night, you have an opportunity to support the cause and toss in a contribution before 2016 comes to an end. And, uh, Mayor, continued success, you, everybody, the entire team. I know there's thousands of people involved. And like I said, no matter what the political situation or the or the um, um, diplomatic situation might be, uh, all I know is that Shari said it keeps doing what they do best, and that's helping people of all backgrounds uh, um, with what they need and to get them out of that hospital as soon as possible. Nachum, thank you so much. Hey, Chag Sameach, Chagurim Sameach to everybody, and a good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Enjoy your Shabbat Chanukah. More coming up. It's JM in the AM.
Itzik Dadya with Bowie Vishalom off of the uh, Sheer Volume Number 2 album here at JM in the AM. That's a good song. Itzik Dadya is amazing. Um, before that, you heard the um, Jonathan Rimberg and Company off of Hanukkah, Your Favorite Songs with Alanisim Hasof, done by Yaakov Shweki from the Mo's store. Candle lighting at 417. Malcolm Holmline coming up. We'll do our weekly update here at JM in the AM. And I thank you so much for tuning in. Um, on Facebook, we asked the question, uh, meaning the Nachum Single Network page, asked the question, what are your favorite NSN moments from this year? I want to thank those who participated. Simon, the great Simon Jacob, says Venice. Thank you, Simon. He's proud of that accomplishment. Lisa Fuchs says, announcing that TABC won the championship at varsity hockey. That is a good memory. Uh, Judy says, it's Igdadja singing from the gondola in the canals of Venice. That was a good one. From Chicago, he uh, remarks that uh, when we did the show from Jewel Osco in Evanston, that was the moment of the year. So a lot of great moments. We go to the Nahum Single Network Facebook page. You can participate by seeing that post and uh, putting in your favorite moment of the last 12 months. And believe you me, it would be uh, greatly appreciated. We'd love when our listeners participate. You can also comment on our app. Um, at any point, the uh, Not Home Single Network app for Android or iPhone, you can comment uh, on the home screen. You'll see it says, add a comment, and you can let us know what you think about uh, whatever the issue might be or any message you want to get to us. Uh, words from Hallel on this Rosh Chodesh morning and Hanukkah. That's right, Rosh Chodesh and Hanukkah. We actually say a full Hallel today because it's Hanukkah. Even though on a typical Rosh Chodesh, we would say a half Hallel. And uh, here's Yehuda for you on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Rosh Chodesh morning, Erev Shabbos Hanukkah at JM the AM.
in the AM Rosh Chodesh morning on this Erev Shabbos Hanukkah. It's Gershon Verobo, of course. We had an amazing time last night at his CD release celebration. It's Rabbi Nachman off of the brand new CD on Israel. Maccabees had Lachado D. Herdacious Chayel done by Shalshelas. Yehuda in there with Hodu Hashem. As we say, Hallel throughout the entire <coughs> holiday of Hanukkah. Today, a uh, full Hallel, even though it's uh, Rosh Chodesh because of the holiday of Hanukkah. Amazing programming, of course, all through the weekend. Don't forget, Naomi Nachman is next at 9 a.m., with Table for Two. Mark Zamek is again going to be doing a live lunch. And my gosh, <laughs> do our numbers go nuts when he's live on a Friday afternoon. We'll start at 12 noon today, <clears throat> excuse me, Eastern Time, a live lunch for an Arab Shabbos. Make sure to be tuned in for that on the Nahum Siegel Network. Reminder, of course, of Rummy with uh, Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night. And then uh, Sunday, Matis JM Sunday begins at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday. Court reports 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday with Elliot Weiselberg. Lots going on in the world of Yeshiva League Sports. I'll have all of it on Sunday night. And before we get to our weekly updates, I want to wish a Mazel Tov to Avi Landsman. We'll be there this uh, coming Shabbat, Bezrat Hashem. Avi Landsman uh, celebrating his Bar Mitzvah in Teaneck, New Jersey. Mazel Tov to Naomi and Rabbi Mark Landsman, the extended Landsman in Kupchik and Yudin. And Rothman family, everybody out there, a lot of great families celebrating together uh, this Shabbat and this weekend. And we wish them a very special Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. I want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com who continue to utilize our content for their amazing news feed with a lot of great news. Some great news and some very interesting stories uh, from around the Jewish world. Go to OnlySimchas.com, check them out every single day. And of course, JewishWorldReview.com, JewishWorldReview.com with thousands of articles about the issues of the day. And boy, oh boy, the issues of the day certainly have called for thousands of articles to be written and many opinions to be uh, distributed. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents 
of major American Jewish organizations, joins us on this Friday, Rosh Chodesh Erev Shabbos Hanukkah at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM, and happy Hanukkah to you. Happy Hanukkah to you, Nachum, to everyone, and a good Chodesh. It's a very important day. You have to say hello twice, I guess. <laughs> very good. <laughs> I... um. I wanted to mention, and uh, we will get to the news of the day, believe you me, I know there are a lot of very anxious people. Our app, in fact, is reflective of the fact that the people have a lot of questions and curiosities about the news. But but Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler, this past Shabbat when I was in West Orange, pointed something out that I regretted not pointing out last Friday with you. And that is that, of course, for, for good reason, and for the trivia uh, experts out there, uh, much attention has been paid to the, uh, uh, to the coincidence of uh, both the um, uh, of of major religious holidays falling on the same day, December the twenty fifth, and he pointed out that we have to keep in mind, and this of course ap- applied much more to last weekend, that we have to keep in mind that for generations that was a night, meaning Christmas Eve, that was a very dangerous one for Jews and one where they likely did not sleep through the night, and we have the opportunity uh, in this unique and incredible country of ours, and in general. I would say because of the state of Israel and the IDF, uh, to live in freedom and not only light a Hanukkah, a menorah in our own home on a night like that, on that date, without worrying about safety, but to light Hanukkiyot all around the world in massive public places with incredible sizes of crowds all over the place. And I thought that was a point very worthwhile pointing out to this audience. Although I will say that... uh I didn't get much sleep that night either. <laughs> Not the night before. <laughs> That's after, for sure. Before the speech and after the speech and in the days thereafter. So it's a reminder maybe. Interesting. Well, you get my point, but that is an interesting take on it. Uh, let's start with this and try, if we can, just to focus on this for a moment. Because I'm so curious. We leave the air last Friday you allude to the fact that this whole resolution thing, and I remind the audience Thursday, you know, the, the resolution was pulled off the table, etc. And you remind our audience, or allude to it rather, that this is not over, that you never know when this is going to rear its ugly head again. By 2-something Eastern time in the afternoon, Shabbat already in Israel, this was a done deal. Could you describe, because we're so curious, what those hours were like for you from the time we stopped speaking on Friday morning until this vote took place in the United Nations? Yes, well, as you know, the Egyptians uh, pulled the resolution that had been introduced. They sit as the representative of the Arab League on the Security Council. The resolution was introduced. President Sisi gave the orders to withdraw it, and then... Four countries, including New Zealand, uh, Senegal, Great Democracy, Venezuela, other major powers, you know, got together and reintroduced the same language in the Security Council. They're all sitting there as temporary members, and the and, and again it was bum rushed through under the blue line, uh, which is um, uh, re- really precludes any discussion or amendation or anything else of the resolution. And there are many people who believe that this was all long concocted, There, uh, and there are many conspiracy theories that, are, that abound about what really happened. But what we know is that there have been discussions with some of these parties before. Uh, it does not look like the Egyptian withdrawal was something that had been 
planet that this was all one big scenario that had you know been orchestrated and choreographed. But the fact that the four did come in with the resolution uh, and then brought it right away for a vote, and then uh, the um, the country spoke, right, and the United States gave a speech, which to many sounded like a speech prepared for a veto right. uh, vote. And it may not have been until actually that day that they decided how they were going to vote on this. Although, as I said on the air, there were many reports uh, circulating about an abstention, and we felt that perhaps they were trying to prepare everybody for uh, for that decision. Right, and the four were Malaysia, New Zealand, Senegal, and Venezuela. So, so uh, when did you know it was a done deal? I know you worked till the last minute on this stuff. So obviously until 2.15 when the vote actually took place, you're working on it. But at what point did you say to yourself, oh, my gosh, this, this is not going the direction we need this to go? Well, right until I saw her hand go up for the abstention. You still thought there was hope then? We thought that there was still a chance, and we were given to believe that there was still a chance. I mean, we were talking with people at, at uh, high levels of the U.S. government, and I think that there are many of them who were left out of the decision until... Friday, and and uh, maybe even the U.S. ambassador and others, uh, and some of them wrote me afterwards to say, we just want you to know we didn't lie to you. This is what we knew at the time, and uh, I think that many people felt it was a wrong decision as well. This was the president's decision, uh, along with uh, Secretary Kerry, I guess, but the, it, the decision boiled down to, to President Obama. Uh, making the decision to to abstain, they, they will point out that there have been worse resolutions. There have been other resolutions. Well, the, first of all, the, the, this is the first time in 30 years that a resolution of this kind and the language in this resolution really does break new grounds, especially about Jerusalem. It is it is totally one sided and um, will be the source of of problems in the future because you can't rescind a Security Council resolution. It was adopted under Article 6 and not Article 7. Article 6 does not carry sanctions uh, with it. Article 7 resolutions generally do. So it it isn't just the the fact that there will be sanctions, but for the BDS movement, for Palestinian intransigence, for everything negative, this was uh, a godsend for them. And you were worried about uh, about sanctions, and you were worried about um, uh, possible, you know, criminal accusations. Frankly, I think you even used that word. I'm on the still air. worried about that. That has not been diminished by this sanctions. You're right, and I think I, I discussed some of these things uh, both last week and before about some of the dangers that are inherent in, in these kind of measures. But I'm still very worried about about uh, go, the Palestinians going to the International Criminal Court, which they threaten and which they say they're going to do. But also, you know, settlers or people who support settlers, uh, uh, and that could have broad definition being right. in Yerushalayim, right. uh, building in Yerushalayim or contributing to institutions, could be subject to arrest. Right. Because what they're essentially saying is that these are, are war crimes, these are criminals. I know this point's not vital at this point, but give me half a minute on it because I'm so curious. What what was the game then on Thursday? We'll, we'll talk about Friday in a minute. But what was the game Thursday that the U.S. did not simply insist that Egypt keep it on the table? Why this whole game for those 24 hours? Well, I think the United States didn't didn't uh, know that Egypt was going to pull it. I think that this was in response to 
uh, approaches made to him by Prime Minister Netanyahu, and it may well be that that Sisi was not in the loop on the original on the process that this was handled by his foreign minister by others. Uh, I guess you know we'll have to wait and see what uh, what will come of it. And I think that that they were hoping that the postponement was not going to be a 24-hour postponement, but a much longer one where they would have had a chance perhaps to work on the language or to do something. Israel was not consulted on the language, and um, and I think that the, that the Egyptians perhaps felt that, that if they had some time, maybe things could be worked out or the language could be softened, something could be done. And then the four countries... Uh, came behind them and, and introduced it. Right. Look, I, I don't. I don't need to put you in a position where we're discussing the cleverness of the president of the United States. But I mean, you know, Christmas Eve with half the world shopping, probably half the White House press corps on vacation, uh, Israel already on Shabbat. I, I mean, you know, he, he couldn't have timed it better, quote unquote, if you know what I mean. Yes, and there are many people who believe that that was. Not coincidental, and it was also Arab Hanukkah, and it was right. Arab many other things, and people's vacations, and the um, uh, you know going right away in, into Shabbat. We were caught um, literally up till Shabbat in, involved in this and in its aftermath. Uh, so you're right. I don't think that the timing was even if it had been the day before. Right. In either case, it would not have been it would not have been ideal time for uh, appropriate responses. All right, uh, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio exclusively around the world. NachumSiegel dot com, the NachumSiegel Network, and our beloved NSN NachumSiegel Network app. The United Nations Security Council Resolution two three three four was adopted on the twenty third of December. It concerns the Israeli settlements in quote Palestinian territories occupied since nineteen sixty seven, including East Jerusalem. The resolution states that Israel's settlement activity constitutes a, quote, flagrant violation of international law and has, quote, no legal validity. Validity. It demands that Israel stops such activity and fulfills its obligation as an occupying power under the Fourth Geneva Convention. Um, right away, and I, I believe this was done literally right away, you could tell us about the timing, um, Prime Minister Netanyahu calls for for ambassadors to those countries that supported this resolution to come back to Israel. Is that accurate? They recalled the Israeli ambassadors right. to not all of the countries, but to many of the countries that, uh, and does that, that voted for the resolution. And does that certainly um, apply to the sponsors, Malaysia, New Zealand, Senegal, and Venezuela? Those four for sure? Where we have ambassadors, yes. Right, where there are ambassadors. Good point. And in general, we know that there's been outreach, for those of us who are confused, because we only know this on a cursory level, there's been outreach by the Prime Minister to African countries. Senegal, in that process, or nothing to do with Israel? No, absolutely. I, I've met the President of Senegal uh, on a couple of occasions, and he has. they have um, been instituting ties and uh, relationships. You know, in many cases in this regard, people, the countries don't make the connection that we do right. and, and don't look at these resolutions in, in the same way. But this, because of the nature of this sinister way that this was done, I think it, it, it evoked a much stronger response than past resolutions. It's not the first time the Security Council, you know, takes on Israel and the countries voted for resolutions condemning. But the Dana, they did not pass for many years. I mean, right, but Jimmy the, Carter, we didn't have right uh, language like this, and and you but, can see the seriousness in the reaction of many leading Democrats. Understood, correct. I mean, it's amazing some of the Democrats and the statements they've made 
uh, frankly, some of them going to the point where you know we'll agree with everything that President Obama has done except this. You know, like it's uh, it's, it's pretty bold. Although again, you know, as a lame duck president, I don't know what statements about the president at this point are bold. Um, but going back to those countries that do understand the connection that you just mentioned. Um, you know, because you know how it is. You know, our armchair political consultants over Shabbos are saying, "Wait a second. You know, doesn't the prime minister have some influence on China? Was there a chance ever that China would intervene and veto the resolution? Or there's a, a specific relationship that we keep citing between the prime minister and the leader of Russia? Would that have been a possibility? And now, when we see Theresa May and her statements regarding Kerry's speech, which we still have to get into in terms of Kerry's speech, and how outrageous that was this week. Uh, was there ever a chance that the U.K. and their leadership would have considered a veto? So uh, all the points you raise are right. They did make an approach, uh, Prime Minister, to Putin. Uh, they did not. Those approaches obviously did not succeed, although subsequently uh, we heard that uh, Lavrov uh, didn't want there to be a uh, follow-up and, and uh, even talk about the Paris conference. Right. And which we'll talk about in a minute, but mm. the um, uh, the approaches were made to to these countries. And we were in very intense discussions with the French and with other countries as well. This was this, these decisions were made in the capitals generally. When it comes to to Russia, when it comes to to, to China, um, and th- there was uh, a lot of pressure uh, on them as well to go along, and many of them. Sometimes uh, vote on this, but counting on the United States to veto, right. so it sort of takes them off the hook. Right. Well, they should not be off the hook. They they have an equal responsibility to have vetoed it. The Russian vote, I think, should have been and was very disappointing to to Israel, and the uh, you know the subsequent statements don't make up for the fact that they uh, voted as they did. Uh, I think that the. Um, uh, you know, I think that there was an effort to enshrine the principles enunciated by Kerry in his speech and that Lavrov uh, did not go along with it. At least those are the reports. The, the other countries, Britain, they said try to soften the language. I don't see evidence of that, but we did see a very critical statement. After justifying the vote, we saw the prime minister come out very strong terms and criticize Kerry's speech. Mm-hmm. The one-sided nature of the resolution and the speech, the Prime Minister of Australia heavily criticized it, and the Foreign Minister of Australia heavily criticized it, and the uh, and and rebuked New Zealand for for its vote for it. Um, but otherwise, the reaction has been right. very muted. And we'll talk we'll talk more about Kerry in a moment. We'll talk more about Paris in a moment. But I must ask you this, and in all fairness, reminding the audience that you do have member organizations of the Conference of Presidents that supported what happened at the U.N. this past weekend. Just reminding everybody that, because you're obviously you're, you're always in a delicate situation. But, but this is the question that everybody wants you to answer for us. Uh, what does this say about President Obama? Everyone has you know, adjectives that they're using about him. Everyone has impressions that they're putting on him right now in terms of anti-Semitism, anti-Israel, yes, no, is he, you know, sim- simply, you know, uh, disillusioned by a uh, potential peace process, etc. How would you now, at the end of his eight years and seeing this step, evaluate his presidency vis-a-vis Israel? Uh, well, first of all, I just want to say very few organizations actually came out in support, very few. I have it in uh, front of me. I mean, there are a couple big ones that, that were pretty happy with what happened at the U.N., unfortunately. Mm-hmm. 
No, I don't think that there were. I think I'm I have sorry, this, but I think only, I, have this I only know of two organizations, and they're not big ones, who came out in support. Many did not come out either way. There were uh, one or two who came out in support of Kerry's speech, but not of the uh, of the resolution. And it doesn't mean that they all agree on the settlements. That's certainly true that they they don't. But they did not like the way that that was that, I can, that was handled. Okay. Americans for Peace now are a member organization or not? Yes, I can. I, I can. I reach, couldn't consider them a big organization. Okay, but they get a lot of media attention. As of course, the, they all looking for you know. It's man bites dog. It's it's the people. Anybody who will come out support it gets some recognition. You have organizations, or when they criticized you know our event, uh, the the Azaria Embassy event in, in for Hanukkah. You know, organizations that haven't been heard from for twenty years all of a sudden pipe up because they get attention. Okay. Understood, you know, but they so didn't. No major, and I just don't want to have a distorted picture about what the reaction was to it. Um, it, it there were many who didn't issue statements, but I would say that if if there, those who were really against came out, and I think as far as I know, maybe two or three that actually came out against, and many, many, many more came out critical of the, I mean, came right, out right, for Came out for and the others were critical. critical. Okay, that, that's totally acceptable. So now, the Obama legacy vis-a-vis Israel, what would you say? Well, I think that he, he now paints his legacy as the bookends, the bookends of his legacy are the speech in Cairo, which began his term, where, if you remember, you know, he talked about Israel being created out of the Holocaust right. and, and had Muslim Brotherhood guys sitting in the front row, etc. And, and then this resolution, and it is the sneak sneaky way that this was brought up, and, and you cited some of it, it, it was interesting to me that he met with Prime Minister Abe and went to Pearl Harbor, right. where they commemorated a sneak attack on an ally, and, sure. and here, <laughs> the United States uh, joined with other countries in what has to certainly be seen as a hostile act, and they don't hide their hostility, and it's both personal, which I think it should never be the basis for an action, and and uh, and it was based on policy. There is a lot of anger about it, and you know that sometimes Israelis speak too much, say too much, say things that are members of the cabinet, and then that gets ascribed to the government. I think Netanyahu has tried to walk a fine line on this. And there was no mention, for instance, of the 10-month freeze that Netanyahu instituted unilaterally, a freeze on all settlement construction, which evoked zero response on the other side. Uh, there's no mention of the Omert and Barak and all the other plans and that and the distortion here. And, and this adds to the, to the impression of, of, of the true nature and intent is that it, it, all of the onus essentially is placed on settlements. They're, the Palestinians are not even mentioned by name. Israel is referred to constantly, but the Palestinians are not mentioned. The fact that they walked away from all the negotiations, all of these extremely generous offers by Iraq and uh, by Barack and, and Omer, uh, you know that when they talk about uh, the refugee issue, there's no reference to the Jewish refugees. So one has to say or conclude that this is intentionally. Um, designed to um, to enhance the Palestinian resistance to direct negotiations. That they again their their avoidance of, of negotiations for over these decades uh, because they believed they'd be bailed out, which they were, and that they were their position then was enhanced without having to go to the table, never having to take responsibility for uh, that negotiations uh, would require. Uh, calling Jerusalem uh, as uh, occupied territory, the specific references 
to to these things. The the I mean, this is a boon for the BDS movement, which right. has generally been failing. Right. Um, there's no distinction between the block of communities that are going to remain and those that that and the outposts, etc. And the I mean, we can go on uh, with much more. And while it does talk about incitement, it doesn't say Palestinian incitement. It talks about you know generally both sides. You you know Kerry. It, was this him simply a mouthpiece for the president, or is this John Kerry? Well, I think Kerry's speech certainly made it uh, also John Kerry. I don't know that he that the, I don't think he is the final decision maker in, in this regard. Uh, I would say that if uh, if there, there there was a role in the drafting, it was more likely coming out of the National Security Council, which then served as the spokespeople for this. It was Ben Rhodes. Who who did most of the TV as I saw right. uh, commentary and and defense of the uh, of the vote. The president himself didn't, by the way. And then John Kerry gave this uh, very long seventy two minute uh, speech, unbelievable, which was again uh, very one sided. It looked obsessive. Uh, yes, I think that uh, obsessive with Israel and the. Um, you know, I mean, who singles out an Israeli ambassador to the UN? I mean, it's just some things of it were just so far beyond any, uh, you know, any who, real who, rational who, explanation who, who, that who, this was. This could have been done in five minutes. Who calls? Who calls the Netanyahu government radical and extreme? He did. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, no, many others would too. <laughs> but but part of it is because some of the statements, when you know people come out and, and ministers and say that you know the two state solution is dead and we're going to build and we're going to do and we're going to do, you know, they talk so much and and often those are actions. The, the actions don't match that. But if the damage is done when you know statements are made and when and 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 that it's perceived by many including many great supporters of Israel that everything is done because of domestic political considerations right well this goes far beyond that and you know you could be critical of Israel they they are, they are they have been all along and certainly of settlements every president has been critical of of uh, of community and Kerry ma- and Kerry made sure to point all those out including uh, republican presidents Right, and and of all the resolutions that yeah. were passed during all of those presidents. All right, we got to get to this. Another question that everyone needs to have the answer to, and I understand why. Is and you alluded to it with a, a more negative approach than Danny Danone did early in the week with us. Is this reversible? Is this something that can you know not take thirty years to to turn around a different way with Donald Trump president and seeing his attitude toward the UN and toward Israel? No, and yes, it is not reversible, but. Steps can be taken to try to counter the impact that there be no sanctions, that that uh, other resolutions could be introduced. Though it will be very hard to get a majority in the Security Council. I do think that the president's intervention now regarding the Paris conference, the president-elect's right. interventions, will be very important. That's I think the min- many of the countries, you know, fear him or, or don't know what to anticipate, and it is that, those doubts. As I remember during Bush's. The high time of Bush's uh, Bush the second was because they couldn't anticipate what he would do. They really believed he could bomb, he could do other things. Right. Uh, when they don't believe it, then they act, uh, you know, without consideration of, of U.S. And uh, you see that today in Syria and many other places where the U.S. is is marginal. The, the so yes, steps can be taken that could help mitigate the impact, but you can't reverse the Security Council resolution. You've seen President-elect Trump's reaction to all of this. 
Um, I, what do you think? I mean, we, we know president elects very often do not speak the way presidents do. And then after January 20th, you know, the, the landscape, or they could discover the landscape's a little bit different than they thought. Are, are you hopeful that because of his statements, he can carry out some of this after he's inaugurated? We live with hope. Yeah. Uh, Duke always, has always to say there's hope. There's no chance, but there's <laughs> hope. But in this case, I think that there is a chance. I think that the, uh, many of the people uh, who will be around him feel strongly about this issue. And his personal tweeting this is not you know statements concocted by other people this is not in the heat of a campaign he said very strong things yesterday and and the day before and uh, they've been consistent uh he did weigh in against the resolution and uh, put himself uh put a marker down so i think we have reason to expect that that will characterize uh, the policy uh, we will see it's highly unusual for an administration in the last three weeks to introduce such a major uh, foreign policy initiative. Uh, it was meant in part to tie the hands of the next administration. Uh, I, and perhaps, uh, you know, something shouldn't have been said uh, about their anticipation of what will happen in the next administration. But I do think that that was part of the motivation for this. Um, all right. Uh, January 15th, the date for that the quartet meeting with, in Paris, correct? That's the date that was chosen, I believe? It's not a quartet. It's there will be a quartet meeting also, but it's an international conference convened by France. Israel will not participate. Oh, meaning open to many more countries than just many, the quartet. Yeah, okay. Arab countries, others will will all be Understood. there. And I think we have to be very concerned, and we're going to come out publicly about this. Well, there, there are pundits who, who believe that between the 15th and the 20th, after the whole Paris thing takes place, there actually could be more activity at the UN. You believe that's possible? I have a written assurance and I insisted on getting it in writing, that there will be no further resolutions at the Security Council. Uh, so the United States will veto any attempt to bring a Middle East peace resolutions to the U.N. Assurance from? From the administration. This current administration. Right, right, right. And high-level assurance. It, and, that, it, and it's in writing. Is that something that you could share, that you could publish, or, or that stays in your office? I, I, we are putting out a statement today which makes reference to it which does say that they gave me a written assurance in an email, which I have, and unless they hack it and erase it, uh, it, uh, it's, it stands. But, but let me just say, there are ways, though, that you can say that and still have something come out from the quartet, a statement, parameters, uh, the principles that, that carry enunciated be enshrined by the quartet, adopted by the quartet, have the international conference uh, take a measure of that kind. So having the, the experience we have where, you know, the word doesn't necessarily mean what the intent is, uh, that, um, and, and, you know, uh, in our discussions with people involved in the vote, including Samantha Power, uh, just a couple days before telling me, no, you know, there's nothing coming up, it's nothing to worry about. It could well be that she was telling me the truth and didn't know what was really being cooked behind the the scenes. Even, so, even she could have been, it could have all been hidden from her, even from her. Right. And as I said, if you listen to the speech, it could have, it could have been a speech given for right. going in either direction. And uh, as some UN experts uh, said to me, you know, that that speech did not sound like a veto, a, a, an abstention speech. And they were more trying to justify or they were, you know, getting the criticism in, in the speech and then casting the abstention. 
you know, I, I have to make a point. Uh, when, when, when Prime Minister Netanyahu spoke most recently at the UN, so you'll remember he had a completely different approach than the, you know, where he, where, than the speeches he had given over the previous couple of years, uh, which really focused on Iran, et cetera, et cetera. Here he sort of got up and, and said, you know, this, this whole, this whole thing is coming to an end soon, folks. You know, hop aboard because the whole world is now gravitating toward us and the support, uh, you know, is going to be coming sooner than you think. That was basically his attitude. I think you'd agree with that. Uh, is this a major setback for all of that? You know, for those of us who dreamt that, that the UN is really going to become more and more irrelevant to Israel in the international scene, uh, has it jumped back into, into the spotlight because of what happened this past weekend? Uh, that's a, an hour-long response because it's, it's a good question, but it's, it, you have to take each part of that and, and analyze it. The, what does this mean in terms of our relations with African countries? Right. I think nothing. Uh, what does it mean in terms of some of the other countries? Nothing. In terms of the United States, a great deal. In terms of uh, European Union uh, countries exploiting this or the French using it as uh, for the at the international conference, um, and and often, you know, in in countries, they, they the, the UN ambassador, these things are seen as as uh, plays that just go on. This vote, though, because Israel lobbied before it, it, it will be seen a blow, and it is being played out by the opposition in Israel as a blow to the prime minister's credibility and the and the standing, etc. Yeah. I don't think that it's going to be detrimental in terms of those African countries and the others, the Asian countries that are reaching out to Israel that are seeking, you know, to do business. China always pursues its interests, whatever they perceive those interests to be, but they will continue to expand their ties with Israel. It will not impinge upon it. Um, you know, they have very little moral values in their foreign policy, as do many other countries, and they do what's expedient at the at the moment. So the long-term impact, we will have to see. The short-term, we already see, you know, there were statements made by Iranian uh, Iranians overnight that, you know, if settlement construction begins, Israel's destruction will, you know, will will, will per, uh, follow, and they're all going to take advantage of, of this to... As, as will the BDS and the Palestinians, certainly in uh, in every four they can, every international four, because they've been given a license for it now. So in that regard, I think it is a setback. <sighs> Unbelievable. Um, it, well, we have to watch very carefully what happens over the next few weeks. Uh, this is going to be a, a very interesting time of transition. The written agreement, the assurance that you got is fascinating, but what you said is so true that yeah, because of the language and uh, and how it's written, you never know that something could always, uh, you know, be done and not be considered a violation of that statement to you. I think it's really important that you pointed that out. And we should also mention that um, uh, you know, so so many enemies of it. Take Bargudi for instance, and his reaction to all this. No, you take him. Does Kerry realize that the that the person or the people that he wants on the other side of this negotiation are are, are outrightly stating publicly? internationally that this is that this is a non-starter that even if, if israel would go ahead and cease all settlement activity he has no interest in going to the table that's exactly the point that the palestinian intransigence is unrelated to settlement construction remember the plo was created in 64 the whole history the whole context is distorted uh, by this 
and let alone all of the opportunities to have avoided these issues, what if they had accepted the deals? All of the deals over the last 50 years, there would have been a resolution. You wouldn't have had these issues. The borders would have been created, and then they would have chosen uh, what to do on each side by the whoever was in charge. So it has a lot to do with that. And, and I want to point out, by the way, Congress is coming back to session All right. next week. Uh, uh, and I hope people read the statements by people like Schumer and Hoyer and others, Democratic right. leaders of the House and Senate, uh, excoriating the administration. I think you will see strong measures, resolutions again. There were before. Remember, 88 senators wrote the president not to do this. And um, how the House, I think, passed it unanimously. So there will be measures, and people should encourage their members of Congress to to speak out, to act on this, to to take a stand. That this is um, um, uh, that this is a, a, an ongoing battle that we have to wage, that we have to continue to send the message to the American people, to educate them, to get them to understand the real context. Uh, of this, which was completely lacking in both this secretary's comments and in many regards, and in regard to the overall uh, concern, people can have different views right. on any issue, including on settlements or whatever. But that's not what what our, what is this has boiled down to. And the and he acknowledged that settlements are not the whole or even the primary cause for the conflict. That's a direct quote from him. And yet he went on to, to such great length then. Doing exactly that, presenting the that settlements as the prevention of a of a, a solution, and the um, uh, I do think that that uh, although he referenced uh, them walking away, uh, or did not mention them uh, walking away and and the, from every uh, opportunity and never responded. You see that the Palestinians are constantly given a buy; they're constantly given an excuse or the world doesn't take them seriously or the you know the onus is only put on Israel and that draws people to the conclusion right. that then they use terms like anti-semitism and anti-israelism etc yeah. that doesn't resolve anything for us what we have to do now is take strong stance and that means congress now and hopefully when the new administration takes put that between now until the new administration takes gets into office that we we can stop further damage in paris uh, I've seen statements by some Parisian, uh, Parisian uh, officials that would lead me to believe that they are, in fact, planning, and Hollande, who is going out of office, is planning to get this to be his last hurrah as well. Boy, oh boy, I'll tell you, everyone jumps on this one, huh? Um, there are people in the community who are demanding, maybe the wrong word, uh, demonstrations, uh, the ability to have their voice heard in different locales, whether it be New York, Washington, etc., Anything to say about that at this point uh, in terms of taking to the streets? I think responsible expressions are called for. I know that there's one that's being planned for mid-January, and I think if people... New York or Washington? And and they make their voices heard, but between now and then, as I said, make your voice heard to your elected officials, let the White House know, you know, use opportunities to, to call-ins and, and letters to the editor. and Social where, media? Where, Pardon me? Social media as well? Absolutely. Social media, key today, key. And and uh, too many people don't know how to do it, but but those who do, and especially, so ask your children or grandchildren, they'll tell you how to exactly. do it. Exactly. <laughs> but, but to make, to, 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 to not let this die down, but to use it as an opportunity now to educate, to, to talk to people about what the real facts are. Yeah, the and demonstration you alluded to was a New York event? A New York event, is, New York event. is being planned by a number of organizations. The problem is that 
you know, two weeks from now, this issue will have dissipated, and we're going to be on to the Paris conference. Right. Uh, second, it's winter, and, you know, people, this is, as you said, this was a vacation period. This right. was a time and to do rally. Then there was a rally this week, which uh, Mr. Ben Marine took the initiative to lead, which was a good expression, got right. media coverage. So responsible expressions, I think, are always called for. You have to be careful what you say and, and to win people over and to have a further impact. Uh, I know people's emotions are very high. And believe me, I'm with them. Um, there, uh, I can't tell you how many nights of sleep over the last ten days we have lost, which is okay. But it's it's the damage that is done, and that we have to prevent this from becoming a further disaster. You know, it's very interesting because the Secretary of State used the term "Nakba," quoted the Palestinians. Yeah, I Nakba. couldn't believe it. You know, which was quite remarkable couldn't because who brought the catastrophe? Oh. Oh, my God. You know, as not, I mean, who who attacked who? Who in 1948 didn't accept the UN partition plan? Who didn't accept all the other plans? And then he makes it sound as if, you know, that the 50th anniversary is a, is a commemoration of the Six-Day War. But, of, I mean, some of this stuff was just so over the top, it's hard to, to accept. And I think... You know that that a lot of venom from built up over the years and the frustration, and I think in part because he has very few uh, achievements to point to, and that he came into this gung ho getting a Middle East settlement, as does every president, by the way, and, and most secretaries of state. Right. Everybody wants to make the deal in the Middle East because that's what you get Nobel prizes for. That's what you get recognition. But he should have told the truth about why he didn't have it. I'm not saying Israel's always right and that Israel did everything you know as they should have. But that that has nothing to do with this one-sided slam and the reality of why we are where we are. Can I share? I'm sorry. I just want to share one last memory with you because it it, it hit me as this was happening. You know, the Yom Kippur War breaks out on that Saturday, on that Shabbos Mm -hmm. in 1973. And it happens uh, Shabbos afternoon, Yom Kippur afternoon, and we hear about it, obviously, Yom Kippur morning here in in this area. And we come home. I'm a little kid, and we come home, and uh, and my father's there, and we're listening to the news reports on the radio in the kitchen. And now, you know, we're anticipating he's going to say something significant to us, you know, about about this day. But we weren't able to focus on the news of the day, obviously, because it was Yom Kippur. And he says to us, just remember one thing. They were planning this for six years, meaning from the moment the Six-Day War ended. <clears throat> and I sort of said to myself and to others last Friday, I wonder if he was planning this for eight years. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, we'll, we'll read his memoirs, and there's many more things uh, uh, that will come out. But the one, the bottom line, the point to him is that the speech and the vote will make the achievement of peace much harder. Right. It does not advance um, uh, that. And you see people, even uh, secure journalists, who apologize for the defense of Obama's uh, uh, record, and you'll see many more uh, things. But I think looking at the Iran Revolutionary Guard statement that settlements will spark war, it will lead to Israel's destruction, that will tell you what the impact uh, uh, is. And now we have to look at ways to to um, mitigate the impact and to get the truth out, the true story about who's responsible for for the situation uh, where we are. Unbelievable. All right, thank you so much for all your time. Happy Hanukkah. We'll reconvene next week. Please, God, have a wonderful Shabbos, and thanks for joining me here. 
good Shabbos to everyone, and a friend Hanukkah for the end of it, and a good Chodesh, and any celebrations you have may they be good ones. Yes, they should be really good ones. <laughs> and this should be a calmer Friday than last one for you. Uh, Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays here at JM in the AM, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. And a Freyla Hanukkah, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Miketz. It is Shabbos Hanukkah. Before we talk about Miketz and Hanukkah, I think it's most important that we review that Amir Tzashem this afternoon, we, before we light Ner Shabbos, we light Ner Hanukkah. Now, it's important that you understand why this afternoon at approximately 4.20 you cannot light the Nair Hanukkah of the small colored candles. The reason for that is they burn for approximately a half an hour. A half an hour after 4.20 today will bring you to 4.50 and that is not yet the time when the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah kicks in. The rabbis tell us that we are to light Ner Hanukkah at the end of Shkia, the end of sunset, meaning when the stars come out, which would be approximately 5.15, in the New York area. And therefore, your candles have to burn for approximately a half an hour after 5.15. In order for that to happen, you have to light at 4.20 oil or candles, which will be sufficient to go for at least an hour and a half. And therefore, use tonight for your Hanukkah candles a... Shabbos candles, if they can fit in your menorah. If your menorah does not take Shabbos candles, then let me teach you something. You don't need a menorah. Take these small tea lights, which burn at least two hours, line them up in a safe place. If it's on the windowsill, put tin foil carefully, line them up, Make sure it's safe and light them there and have seven in a row and the shamash a little bit off to the side. And that way you satisfy your obligation of lighting their Hanukkah and it will last the right time. If one were to use the small colored candles, they do not fulfill the mitzvah and, in addition, they have very possibly recited a bracha levatola, a blessing for naught. In a pinch, if you don't feel comfortable 
lighting seven tea lights, light one. Because from the letter of the law, all you need to fulfill the obligation of Hanukkah each night is one candle. We try to do the mitzvah in the best way possible by increasing the number each night, hence seven tonight. Taking a look at Parshas Miketz, we have to ask ourselves, my goodness, again, why is this story told to us in the Torah? And the opening Medrash on the Parsha and its explanation by the Beis Halevi provides a fascinating insight. And that is the following. The Parsha begins, Vahimi Kates Shnosayim Yomim. That it happened at the end of two years, literally to the day, and two years as an extension to Joseph's already ten years being in jail. Uparo Cholem, Paro dreamt, and we're told of the dreams. Nobody could interpret them that would satisfy Paro. The butler says, oh, I remember that there was this Hebrew slave in jail with us. They hurry Yosef out of the jail. They bring him to Paro. And the rest, as we know, is history. The Medrash says on the word Miketz, and it was at the end of two years, the Medrash says, citing the verse from the 28th, chapter of Eo of Job Kates Sum Lachosha. What does that mean? God puts an end to the darkness. And the Medrash continues that God put an end to the time when Yosef would be in prison. And as soon as the Kates, the time was over, the two years was over, Yosef having asked the butler twice to please remember me, and Yosef, because of his very special relationship with God, should have had greater trust in God, and therefore he put too much uh, emphasis by asking the butler to get him out. When the two years were up, now it was only a question of how. Namely, let's take a step back. We're all familiar with the story. I'll ask you what caused what. Most people will say that Pharaoh's dream caused Yosef to be freed from jail. Pharaoh didn't get a interpretation, hence Yosef is freed. The Medrash is saying, says the Beis HaLevi, once the two years were off, Yosef is getting out. The only question is how. So Yosef's freedom is the cause and the effect of that is the dreams. Paro dreams in order to get Yosef out. Not that Yosef comes out because Paro dreams. Now, you might think that this is simply playing with words and splitting hairs. But I think this is such an important thesis with which the parsha begins, it teaches us that, as the Rambam says in his very first 
of the 13 Animamin. I believe with perfect faith, says the Jew, that not only is he Borei, is he the creator of the world, but he is Manhig. He is the one that directs. He is involved. There is incredible Hashkocha Pratis, divine providence for the Jewish people as a people and for each individual. Yosef had his personal Hashkocha Pratis. I urge everybody in your minds, take Yosef's name out, put your name in, and realize and appreciate the Ashkacha Pratis, the divine providence, the personal involvement of Hashem in your life. Now, we are, as we know, in Hanukkah. And interestingly, our Torah is understood on many different levels. And go, therefore, to the very first paragraph of the Torah. And the second verse, right after Bereshis, we're told that God created heaven and earth, the Oretz, the land was completely void, desolate, and Choshech, darkness, on the face of the deep. That's the literal translation. However, the Medrash on this verse tells us the following. Choshech, what is the darkness? The darkness refers to Malchus Yavan. The Torah is hinting that right away at creation, built into this world, is on the one hand the kingdom and the government of Greece and the Syrians. Shechicha Eneim Shel Yisrael. Literally, they darkened the eyes of Israel with their laws. That they told the Jewish people, Kisvu, Alkeren Ashor, right on the horn of the ox, Sheimachem Chilek Bilukei Yisrael, that you renounce your belief in the God of Israel. Now, the ox in yesteryear, the work animal, the animal which carried themselves and their possessions, it was like our modern cars, SUVs. It's incredible. Nothing's changed. The horn of the animal, they would decorate and put various slogans on, akin to today, the bumper sticker. What was the bumper sticker that they made the Jews put on their oxen? We renounce our belief in the God of Israel. Now you have to ask yourself, why? Why should that have bothered them so much? That we believe in the God of Israel. And the answer, I believe, is found in the al prayer that we're saying and we continue to say through Sunday. And on Shabbos, you must wash. For tonight and tomorrow, lunch, you must. For Shalashudas, you should. And therefore, be careful when we recite the Birkas HaMazon tonight. 
we say Ritzay as well as Al Hanisim and what we are taught in the Al Hanisim, what did they want to do? They wanted Lahaviram Mechuke Ritzonecha. They wanted to cause the Jewish people to completely stray from your chukim, from your statue, from your laws without a reason. In other words, they were, the Greeks prided themselves that Socrates and Plato were wise men, and their criteria for wisdom was whatever man can understand, that is wisdom, and whatever man cannot understand, that is not wisdom. Now we have a name for this. We call it Sechel Enushi, the wisdom of man. But we believe in a higher wisdom. And so take, for example, meat from a kosher animal is kosher. Milk from a kosher animal is kosher. But you can't mix the two. Now that necessarily doesn't make, quote, common sense. But we believe that there's a higher sense called Sechel Eloki, the wisdom of God. And that is what we pride ourselves that we follow. This they could not tolerate. And so, why were they against Shabbos? They're not against a day of rest. If a person would simply relax and each one would do their own thing, this one would play golf and this one would putter in the garden. No, they were against Shabbos Kodesh, the fact that Shabbos is holy and it has restrictions and there are certain things that you are not permitted to do. Creativity, that they couldn't understand because that doesn't come from man. Why were they against circumcision? They were against circumcision because they put man at the center of the universe, they glorified the body, and they had their athletes and others playing in the nude, and we, the Jew, believes in smius, in modesty, in, in saying that the body, aside being from something of beauty, is also something holy, and hence it is to be covered. Bris Kodesh is what the Moel says prior to uh, the circumcision. Why were they against the Jewish calendar? Because the Jewish calendar is that which we have the capacity to infuse sanctity. The Sanhedrin would pronounce Rosh Chodesh by saying Mukudash HaChodesh Mukudash that the new month has been established and declared sacred. The ability for the Jew to inject sanctity into all aspects of his life, this is what the Greeks oppose, and this is what the Choshech, the darkness that they unfortunately spread. They had this darkness in the sense that they caused, unfortunately, many Jews to assimilate. And perhaps, my friends, think about this. The rabbis teach us that God never does a miracle for no reason. Why did he bring a miracle at this time of the oil? Because the military victory, which was certainly a miracle, people could always say, well... 
Well, we had the home court advantage. You can come up with all kinds of possible reasons. But here, it was very clear that this was supernatural, showing the Jews, showing the rest of the world that there is a higher power, a very strong connection between Miketz and Hanukkah, both of them personify Hashkacha Pratis, God's involvement with the Jewish people, mankind in general, and then very specifically with each and every one of us. Taking this opportunity to wish each and every one of us, Nachlam and his family, and all your respective families, a very meaningful, enjoyable, Shabbat and uh, Hanukkah rather and a Shabbat Shalom to all. Minucha v'simchar la Yehudim Yom Shabbason Yom Achmadim Shom Rav v'zachrav hema meidim Ki v'shisha kabruim v'omdim Shem meishamayim Eretz v'yamim Shem <laughs> Eretz v'yamim Kol tzivamorom Givoim v'ramim Tanim v'yadam V'chayas v'yamim Ki v'kashem tzor Aylamim Shabbat Shalom
Have you installed the brand new NCSY Venture app? That selection is from that app. Uh, are you a Kunstler and Company here at the JMM? And what an amazing week we had with all of our special guests. We really had an amazing week, I must say. Um, and I want to thank everybody. I want to thank everybody. And, and especially we had, uh, we did a lot of Facebook living, live music, et cetera, and it really worked out well. And the last night we had an amazing show at the Teaneck Doghouse. Big shout out to the Teaneck Doghouse. Uh, Gershon Veroba's uh, CD release party, that was really cool. We had a great crowd and wonderful guests and a tremendous amount of energy. Really nice. Hey, don't forget, we have amazing weekend programming. It all starts right after JM in the AM. That's right. It starts right after JM in the AM when uh, Naomi Nachman uh, has an encore presentation of her table for two. That's happening between 9 and 10. At 10 o'clock, the Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos music mix, which has been off the charts in recent weeks. And today... It'll even be more off the charts because Mark Zamek has committed to doing a live Friday lunch, an Erev Shabbos live lunch starting at 12 noon Eastern time. Tune in. He'll be doing a live show with your comments, requests, etc., etc., uh, starting at 12 noon Eastern time. Matis with JM Sunday on Sunday morning at 7. Elliot Weiselberg with Court Report Sunday night at 7. And, of course, Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow with Avrami uh, starting tomorrow night. And I mentioned Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Uh, not only did he inspire me with those comments in West Orange last Shabbos. He's also inspiring everybody during our Rummy show every Saturday night with his uh, take on the weekly uh, Torah portion. So big yeshikoch to Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler, who of course is out in West Orange, New Jersey. On this Erev Shabbos Parsha's Miketz, Erev Shabbos Hanukkah, Rosh Chodesh morning here at JM in the AM. Day 6 of Hanukkah with candle lighting at 417. Mazal Tov to Avi Landsman. And to his wonderful parents, uh, Rabbi uh, Mark and Naomi Landsman, as they get set for the big bar mitzvah this Shabbos. Looking forward to celebrating with them. I want to remind you a couple of things going on that I wanted to mention. Uh, first of all, the legal holiday shear this coming Monday at the Bialystoker Synagogue here on the Lower East Side is by Zev Reichman on the topic of Shabbos and song, <coughs> the deeper connection. Shabbos and song, the deeper connection, happens this coming uh, Monday on the legal holiday, 9.30 in the morning, the Bialystoker Synagogue on the Lower East Side. Don't forget the mega mission of a lifetime happens starting May 22nd. Best response to the world about Jerusalem is to go to Jerusalem. May 22nd, Mizrahi World Movement has the big tour. Uh, it's the mega mission of a lifetime. Plan with your shul, with your school, with your men's club, with your sisterhood, with your organization to be in Yerushalayim for Yom Yerushalayim. Mizrahi.org slash YY50. Mizrahi.org slash YY50. And Dr. Mark reminded me that Rabbi Dr. David Sykes is going to be speaking for the Young Israel of Jamaica Estates this coming Sunday at 7.30 p.m. on Sefer Breshit, Lot, Ruth, and the Path to Mashiach. It's this coming Sunday, 7.30 p.m., Young Israel of Jamaica Estates, out in Queens. Head on over there Sunday night and enjoy. Brand new David Lowy. You're listening to JM in the AM. Philosophy, 
Wishing everybody a happy Hanukkah with that Mo's tour cover. And now on this Rosh Chodesh morning, Erev Shabbos Hanukkah, time to say good Shabbos with journeys, of course, here at JM in the AM. Nothing left to do Go on home and find 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. Heard exclusively around the world at NachumSigel.com, the NSN network. And of course, on our beloved NSN app. Thanks so much for tuning in. Wishing everybody a... Oh, I wanted to wish a happy milestone birthday to Malky G from Wesley Hills. Happy milestone birthday, Malky G, from all of us here at uh, JM in the AM. We are here Monday. A lot of people have the uh, day off because of the uh, legal holiday. We are here Monday. Join us for the first Monday of 2017 uh, right here at JM in the AM. Yeah, we'll even do a bonus JM at some point. Why not? Um, and don't forget, Naomi Nachman's next Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix all day. Mark Zamek, part of that with a live lunch coming up at 12 noon. So make sure to be tuned in all day long. And, of course, Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night, JM Sunday with Matis Sunday morning, Elliot Weiselberg with Court Report Sunday night at 7. So much going on. It's amazing. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Incredible Hanukkah, everybody. And a happy Rosh Chodesh. Till next time, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.